You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Um, we're uh, doing a series, and today's our last Sunday in this series, of uh, just walking across the room. And I, I hope in these weeks that we've been looking that there's been some things that have challenged you in your outward-looking aspect of your life. Um, we, we've kind of been on a journey from the very beginning, a few weeks ago, when we, we, we talked about that, that comfort circle that we sometimes exist in, where we're, we come to church and we have Christian friends and we're all very much in this very safe environment, and yet there's people outside of this little environment that are having a destiny going in the wrong direction, and they're crying out for hope. They're crying out for something to live for. And we have this answer, but it requires us to start taking steps across rooms, doesn't it? Uh, to, to start extending a hand of relationship and starting to build a trust and a friendship with people that may not even be in our spectrum of, of normal people that we would associate with because of where we've come from or where they're coming from. But it's saying, you know what, I value you and I, I'm willing to step across the room and just say hello. And remember that, just saying hello? How hard is that to say hello to someone you don't know? It, sometimes it can be insurmountable, but you know what? I believe by God's courage that He gives us by His Spirit, as we start taking steps, and as we discern by His Spirit, when we say hello, is then seeing what God can do through that. It's in that space outside a comfort zone that actually the Holy Spirit works best in our lives. You see, we think God works best in these moments of, of Sunday service, but actually, the Spirit's been given us, been given to us to empower us to be His witness, not in the church, but in the world. And so if you want to see the power of God at work in your life, don't just kind of come to church and see, I want to feel some tingly experience in my body, and that's the Holy Spirit. No, actually, you want to see the Holy Spirit at work? Go outside your comfort zone, come to that space where someone else is, and see what God could do. That's where the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. Because now we're trusting upon Him to lead us. Pass the hello, okay, Holy Spirit, what it is that you want to do at this moment. What is it you want to do? And so we then looked at this aspect of developing friendship, discovering stories, discerning the appropriate next steps, really looking at where are they coming from. Sometimes we might say hello, and I'm going to unpackage to you the whole 25 steps of salvation or whatever. We're, we're going to really kind of unload something to them because they just said hello back. And so thus they must be willing to hear the whole plan of salvation at this moment. Probably not. We need to find out where they're coming from. Understand their story. Be willing to listen and go on a journey with them to hear where they're coming from. Valuing where they're at. Not just trying to communicate where you're at. We then looked two weeks ago about the power of your story and the power of God's story. And that we need to know both stories well to be able to communicate it. So hopefully in life groups, you had an opportunity to share some of your stories of, of how you came to faith, what God has done in your life, what you were like before, what Jesus did, how do you encounter Him, and, and what God has done in your life. And hopefully there's a change that's happened that Jesus has made in you. And if no change has happened before or after Christ, I do challenge you to come to Christ. Amen. Amen. Because every person who comes to Christ is changed. It's a, it's a matter of fact. Even if you're a nice, clean, tidy person on the outside, we all have stuff on the inside. And when Jesus comes, He starts to change us. And so we all have a story. I grew up in the church. I grew up on the 
first kind of our second pew of the church. I grew up there. However, I still have a story of what Jesus has done in me. That people need to hear it. And then we also have the story of salvation, of being redeemed, and, and, and what God has done throughout saving man and this gap that we have between where man is and where God is because of sin, and, and that Jesus bridged that gap. And all we need to do is come through Jesus. And we can have this relationship with God. That's the simple story of the gospel that we all need to be able to tell and unpackage in some way or another. So this morning, we're, we're going to move forward in, in our discussion. And, and we're going to look at having a grander vision, having grander vision living, living with a grander vision, in essence. We're, we're looking at something from a, a bigger perspective. Because what we don't want is this to be some kind of three or four weeks or five weeks we've looked at this and then we go on to another topic and we just forget about the fact that we still need to be the light of the world. But God calls us to have a, a different vision, a different perspective. And so before we look at the passage of Scripture and kind of unpack that, I want us to go on a holiday right now just for a couple seconds, just for a few minutes. We're going to go on a holiday. Isn't that nice? Woo! We come to church to go on holiday. Yay! Thank you, Jesus. Only in our imagination, though. Okay? So... A few years ago, I mean many years ago, uh, when the kids were little, we had an opportunity to go to Hawaii um, on, on holiday. We had some friends that were doing YWAM there and the, the YWAM base. We went, woo, who doesn't want to go to Hawaii and go to YWAM? Yeah, who doesn't want to do that? Um, and because we were in ministry, they had free accommodation. Um, and so we didn't actually do the YWAM bit of it. We just went for the free accommodation. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, we, we, we found the loopholes and all of that. Um, so we went to to Hawaii. And it was beautiful. Serene. It was amazing. Tropical paradise. Um, are you there? Yeah. Outside looking at the rain. Yeah, we're there. And uh, one of the experiences we had, Don and I had, we, we, we went snorkeling. Um, I don't know if you've ever been snorkeling before, but it's a quite an interesting experience because you put your little mask on in your, your, your snorkel, right? I think that's what the tube. And uh, you, you put your head underwater and you see something totally different. Um, and so what we had this experience of is on the, on the ocean or on the sea, uh, you know, it was calm, it was quiet, it was just very serene. And then we put our stuff on, the gear on, and we put our head into the water. We started to swim out. And suddenly we saw a whole world of activity. All these brightly colored fish, the corals, the... It was just like, wow! There's like... Uh, a whole universe going on right under the water. You pull your head up, nothing. Pull it in, and it's teeming with activity. Now, I think that illustration, that thought, is how we can look at our lives. You see, there's two realms that we can live in. We can, uh, we, we can come to Christ and think, actually, I, I just want to sit on the beach, I'm going to look out on the horizon, and I want to just experience nothing. That blissful calmness of doing and experiencing nothing but calm. All the while, at the same moment, there's this most radical experience going on just below the surface. Just below that calmness of status quo, there's a realm that God is moving that if we dip our heads into it, if we put ourselves in that perspective, having that focus of what He's doing, suddenly we see that this is the most exciting experience on the planet. I've often heard that people say that Christianity is boring. People that aren't believers, that is. And I think it's true if 
you choose to live out your Christianity from this perspective, I just want to sit on the beach, be served, and wait for Jesus to come back. But when we step into the water, when we step into this experience of being part of what he's doing, suddenly it is the most radical experience on the planet. I mean, being a Christian is is crazy. It's not for the faint of heart. Why? Because God calls us to be part of something he's doing. And he, what he's doing blows the mind if we allow ourselves to go there. Now, we're going to look at a story uh, on in Luke chapter 5. Now, it's going to be read from the, the message. Um, it's going to be on the screen here. And so we're going to read it together. And it's, it's Jesus calling the disciples at the very beginning. And uh, really, in essence, this is kind of what the whole message is about today. It says, once when he was standing on the shore of Lake uh, Gennesaret, the, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them or were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that Simon, that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little, uh, a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the, the boat as a, uh, for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, come on. We've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let down, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish strained the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boats to come help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in the catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with them. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, there's nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the shore, left them, nets and all, and followed him. Wow. Now you can imagine this story playing out, can't you? I'm not a fisherman. In fact, I've never caught a fish in my life. Has anyone ever caught a fish? Oh, wow. I'm humbled by your presence. <laughs> I gave it a go once. I was out there all day like Peter, and I didn't catch even a minnow. So I gave up on the whole experience. Oh, this is, I don't know why anyone does this, because this is really boring. So anyways, I got into motorbikes. <laughs> here's Simon, uh, here's Peter and the James and John. They've been out fishing all night. These guys are experts. They, they know how to do it. They've been out there and uh, caught absolutely nothing. So they're kind of, no, no doubt, a bit deflated at the end of the day. They brought it in, or the end of, end of the, the shift. And uh, Jesus makes this audacious statement of, why don't you give it another go? And I can just well imagine thinking, okay, we're fishermen, and you are who? Some teacher? Some rabbi? And so Peter initially questions, look, we have done this all night, so unless you know something we don't, um, you know, that's the situation. But because you said it, we'll, 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 um, we'll give it a go. Um, and no doubt they're doing it thinking, what does he know? 
And suddenly, they're overwhelmed. They're swamped with fish. Now, of all the miracles that Jesus had at their dis- his, his disposal, to really make it known that he was God, he chose fishing. Lots of fish. In fact, these guys were fishermen. And so what they did at this moment, if this was your career and you're self-employed and someone comes along and says, just do it this way and you do it. And suddenly you think, hold on, pound signs in your head. This is worth doing. This guy needs to be part of the team. He knows when to go fishing. He obviously knows something I don't know. He is the guy. He's the, he's the guy who knows how to really fish. You can imagine, he was speaking their language and showing what real success would look like in the fishing industry. Correct? I mean, they saw it. and It's like, it's the biggest, it's the greatest thing. Now, he said, actually, uh, at this moment, he was building up a case to this most kind of deep-thoughted statement. He was building a case for what he was about to say. He was saying this, in other words. You can live your life catching six-inch small fish, or you can live your life catching six-foot fish. You, you can be a small, think small, or you can be a fisherman of men. You, you can do this, and you see, actually, there's great blessing in that. You could, you could do it, or you can live for something much bigger. He was drawing this comparison. Full nets or fishing for people. Doing this. You know what? Since then till now, God has been saying the same thing generation after generation. It's not only to the fishermen, but it's to the businessmen and women. It's, it's for the stay-at-home moms and dads. It's for the bus drivers. It's for the, the actors and the writers and the hairstylists and the footballers and the professional chefs and the retail managers and the pilots and the lawyers and the teachers and the preachers and everyone in between. You can live for what you think is really important in this life, what is temporal, or you can live for something much bigger. You have a choice. You can either go for this or you can go for that. And and the question he was asking, are you willing to throw your one and only life into pursuing small fish? Are you willing to risk your nets and, and everything for catching human-sized ones? Are you willing to put it all on the line? Choose to live for a grander vision or a lesser one. And so here's the first observation. The priority of the kingdom is people. The priority of the kingdom is people. Jesus wanted three career fishermen as well as the people at Center Church to understand that this life is all about people. It isn't about the fish. It isn't about the money. It isn't about everything else. Actually, the grander vision that you and I are called to is people. That is the whole perspective of why you're on this planet is to reach people. It isn't for the things that won't last. Grander vision, living, priority always sets people above everything else. Prioritizing, prioritizing people is walking across the room from it. It's, it's listening to the stories. It's, it's, it's saying, actually, I value and I want to build a relationship. It's this radical inclusiveness to say, actually, I, I want to come where you are and I want to pull you out and save and rescue. You can catch fish. Or become fishers of men and women. This is the choice we still actually have today. You can actually pursue your career. Or you can become a fisher of men. You can pursue actually this God-sized vision. Our light will shine on others. And point them to the Father. Or keep our light for ourselves. We see this in in Matthew 5.16. It says this. 
It says, let your light shine before others in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In such a way. You see, we, 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 can, we can shine our light for our, our way, or we can shine our light in such a way that point other words, others to Jesus. It, it, it's shining in a way that people can say, actually, this is, this is the light to the Father. This is, this is the way to the Father. God is saying we can have our careers or our dreams as our top priority, or, or we can have His priorities, the destiny of people, being fishers of men and women as our top priority. Why is it so important to Jesus actually that this happens is that this is how the kingdom of God is built. This is, this is how it's established. The stakes are too high to have priorities that are different than this. Because actually you and I are here on this planet for such a time as this and we are all on mission. You know, we come into this world and we, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and uh, hopefully that's something that we've all done at some point along in the journey. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we're now on mission. Jesus is not the passenger in our car that we just continue on the, the path that we were on. But now actually He is in the driver's seat and we're on mission that He calls us to. And it does not matter your gifting. It does not matter your career, where you come from, what aspect of life you're in at this moment. You are called to be the light. That is the only call in your life that every one of us share. It's the one perspective that every person, the person beside you, the person in front of you, behind you, everyone around us in this room are called to be his ambassadors. We're called to represent him. We're called to shine. Why does the light need to shine? Who does it need to shine? It's it's not just the pastor. It's not the home group leader. It's not your friends. It's your light that needs to shine. Grander vision satisfies the soul. Satisfies our soul. You know, something is is quite amazing. When you look at people who are top of their their career, top of their, their game, whatever it is, it's interesting hearing people's stories when, when people actually reach the pinnacle of success. There's often a high suicide rate or a high depression rate or a high, there's a lot of issues at the very top. Why? Because you get there and you realize you, you worked your whole life, you sacrificed everything for something that still doesn't satisfy. And there's a painful gnawing at you when you, you work so hard for something that once you get it, the glory of it shine, the, the glory of it just, it wanes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I found myself longing for something and I get it. And then actually, it's not quite as special as I thought it was. But sometimes we, we climb over things. We, we work so hard for something that doesn't last. People last. This leads us to the second observation is that the focus is on potential. Jesus saw that disciples could be like once they chose to live for a grander vision, even though their first response to Jesus was, hold on, we've been fishing all night. I don't know if this is a good idea, but even still, Jesus saw, actually, I can see potential in you. And so he saw past the exterior and he saw what was possible if they lived for something that was greater. We don't need to be lifestyle referees or people that kind of are the judge of what everyone else is doing, but we do need to value where they're coming from and say, look, there's a way, there's a path. You know, we have another example in Luke chapter five. And uh, here we have the story of, of Levi, 
who also is called Matthew. And uh, Levi was who? Anyone know? A tax collector. Oh, we love the HMRC, don't we? He was a tax collector. But a, probably a corrupt one at that. He was someone who uh, was, was not loyal to his own countrymen, but he was actually working for the Romans. Would have been not overly liked by, by the average person. But we pick up the story. Jesus has his interaction with, with Levi. In uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 27. I don't think it's on the screen at this one. Um, it says this. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by, this, they, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Okay, so it's not only, it's not only the fishermen, the uneducated guys. But here we have someone working for the government. And Jesus said, I want you to follow, I want you to live for a grander vision. And this guy who would have had money, would have had success in that sense, he, he, he was willing to walk away. Jesus said, follow me. Walk away from your business, your identity, your financial security. He would now be looking, Jesus was looking at Levi's potential. Jesus saw the potential in Levi. Levi was going to be living this, this grander vision. Levi started to take steps into his grander vision and he, he, he hadn't completed an evangelism 101 course. He, he didn't memorize scriptures. He didn't know anything. But actually what's quite remarkable is as we keep reading the story, Levi does something quite remarkable. So here Jesus says, follow me. He left, leaves everything and follows him. But then it says in verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet. I want you to say great. So it wasn't a bad banquet. It was a great banquet. He had a great party. He had a great party. What did he do in his party? He says, uh, he had a great banquet for Jesus in, at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples, why do we eat with drink or, and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Here we have what Levi does. He throws a party. He mixes Jesus in with his old mates. He says, actually, uh, Jesus is, tells me to follow him. He sees something in me. There might have been more of a discussion than just a simple, hey, follow me, mate. He, he, there might have been more to it than that, than we, what we see in Scripture. But what we do know is, is Levi says, my rest of my friends need to meet Jesus. And so he holds this great party, this great banquet. He has Jesus and the disciples there, and he invites everyone else, all his friends with him. This is evangelism. He's actually, I, I want these guys, these sinners, to also know Jesus. I, I want to throw a party. You know, sometimes reaching the lost can be very fun. How many doesn't like a great party, great food, you know, I know the Italians like food. Marco winked at me. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes it's very simple. Levi said, actually, I'm going to live for something greater. But I, I want, and living for something greater isn't just collecting money. Actually, I want my whole friends to experience this Jesus. To, to know the same hope that I've just received. I want them 
to know it as well. Levi didn't have it all figured out. He didn't have his act together. At this moment, he probably had lots of bad habits. He had just met Jesus. But what he did know is his friends also needed to meet Jesus. People are the only thing he would be taking to heaven. And he wanted them to know Jesus. You know, we live in this world where there's a lot of priority on things that don't last. We're educated right from school of, of getting this career and of living in a certain neighborhood, of having the car, of having whatever. And, and we have things that are temporary. The car that you drive is temporal. It's temporary. The house that you live in, as nice as it is, as it is, it's temporary. The, 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 the situation that, the, 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 the job that you have, you won't have forever. It's temporary. There are a bunch of slides that are saying temporary, I think, coming up on the screen. There it is. It's coming. It's temporary. There we go. And it's temporary again. And it's temporary. The things that we're living for are temporary. Yeah. We're going to town on the temporary. And it's true. You think about the things that consume most of your time in your life. Think about it. How much of the things that you spend your week doing will last forever? Probably a very small portion. And yet we work so hard trying to fish for small fish. Trying to live for the small catch. And God this morning is challenging us to open our eyes to a grander vision of living. That actually, instead of living for things that all around us will pass away. The earth will pass away. All that we know in the physical realm will pass away. There's only one thing around us that will not pass away, and it's people. It's the only thing in all of your world that will not pass away. It's people. People are the only thing that are eternal in your existence. I want you to think about it. Of your life, everything that you know Everything that you work for, the only thing that will go on and on and on for eternity is people. And so if we're living for something other than people and reaching people, that their eternity would be spent in heaven with the angels and in glory and in a relationship forever with the Lord instead of eternal destruction. If our perspective is not living for people, what we're living for will pass away. It's the most shocking thing that we can work so hard to save money only to pass on to our kids. And they spend it really quick. Isn't it true? We overlook the people for the things that don't last. What is the encouragement for us today? Only you can evaluate your life as to what you live for. And again, it doesn't matter our career. It doesn't matter our our position in employment or what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but it is, what am I living for? What is my vision of my life? Do I want my life to make a difference to others? Because if it is about that, then what you're living for will last for eternity. If my aim of my life, if the vision of my life is only to have nicer stuff or to be more secure, to have a good retirement or whatever it is, if that is my vision, it will pass away at some point, your car will rust out and end up in a heap of rubble. Your house will deteriorate. All these things will go. 
But if your thought of your life, if the one vision you have of your life is, I want my life to shine in such a way that the people around me will see that God loves them, then what I'm living for will go on and on and on and the ripples will hit eternity. What a powerful thing it will be someday when we get to heaven and our life and the, 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 the deeds of our life are laid bare. And there are people there that we maybe never met, but because we, we reached out to this soul, who reached out to that soul, who reached out to that soul, we have a part of our heritage in heaven that we don't even know about because we lived our life in such a way to impact people. That's the well done. Good and faithful servant. You, you prioritized your life. You put your head into the water. You saw what was living in the, by the Spirit and you, you went after it. You fished for men instead of for the six footers or the six inches. You, you, you went for the big vision of life instead of the small vision that will pass away. I, I want to encourage you in your life, in your walk, to not dream small. Don't dream small. If you can reach one person, that's a grand vision. Because that person will live on. I think even for myself, I can get caught up in the day to day and lose focus of the grander perspective. And I think even this morning, if anything else, is recalibrating that thought process of why am I on this planet? God, what do you want to do in my life, in the relationships with the people around me? Each one of us know people, have friendships. Maybe we need to start walking across rooms. But if we can start living for the grander vision, I believe God will do more through your life than you could dare to dream or imagine. And as even a very practical step, as even a first step, you think, okay, what can I do? You know what? At the very least, throw a party. Invite some people that are far from the Lord and invite some people who do know the Lord and mix them all together. See what happens if people that don't know Jesus meet people who do know Jesus and just see what God could do in that space. That's what Levi did. He just threw a party. I met Jesus. I'm going to throw a party. I want my friends to know Jesus as well. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.